Thank you. If you were praying for prayers on Monday and beyond, I was at a, a conference earlier in the week. Um, I had a good time. It was very relaxing. It was very affirming. Uh, and almost best of all, I get to come back to one of my favorite texts, to Mark. Please turn, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, page 1002. And we'll begin with Thora Heard. A few years ago, Alan Bennett wrote uh, a series of uh, one-person plays called Talking Heads. And uh, this quotation, I love it, comes uh, from the story of a woman who's an old woman who's actually fallen over in her home. And she's just talking aloud as she's lying there wondering uh, what will happen next. It's from a a sketch that was called, uh, for for reasons that she was down on the floor and could see it, it's called The Cream Cracker Under the Settee. As a couple came round last week, banging on the door, they weren't bona fide callers, they had a Bible. I didn't go. Only they opened the letterbox and started shouting about Jesus. Good news! They kept shouting, good news. They left the gate open, never mind good news. They ought to get their priorities right, shouting about Jesus and leaving gates open. It's hypocrisy, is that? What is the good news? That's the meaning of the word that stands in our first line of the Gospel here, the beginning of the gospel, means good news. What is the gospel? The good news. Well, I'm going to skip over most of the passage. Uh, I hope that's not a disappointment. Um, John the Baptist comes as the last, really, of a long line of prophets. Uh, And he is the last. That's why uh, Mark quotes from Isaiah here uh, to say this is the last messenger After this, the Lord himself comes. And in the desert, uh, John baptizes. He knew that God was moving in his day. People were coming to him uh, from all, all corners of the land, dedicating themselves afresh to the service of God. God was uh, up to something. Well, we know what it was that God was up to. Jesus himself comes to be baptized, and uh, as he comes out of the water, according to verse 10, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Well, we need to spend a moment, it is only a moment, just on that word, son. Because what about the daughters? Of course, in the days in which this is written, uh, to be a son was much more than to be the physical child. To be a son was the only one who could inherit. Today, in our own day, we might uh, use uh, uh, the word daughter 
And of course, uh, daughters inherit. uh, And so there is that sense that we can now echo. But it wouldn't have been appropriate for God to reveal himself as anything other than son, because only the son in those days carries that sense of child and inheritor. And we can say, of course, that in our own day, daughters inherit. But I think it's actually only this year, is it not? That finally, uh, we've changed the law so that if Kate and William have a child and it is a girl, that girl will inherit the throne, irrespective of whether there is a boy that comes along later. That's my understanding, anyway, of what's happened. And it's taken till now to get to the point We can say that daughters have inherited, but actually only now, the greatest inheritance that this land affords can only now come of right to a firstborn daughter. But in those days, it has that extra meaning. You are my son. You are my child. You are also the one who will inherit absolutely everything that is mine. You are my son, whom I love, With you I am well pleased. All that you are and all that you do is well pleasing to me. The Holy Spirit comes down, anoints Jesus somehow in this process, this mysterious process of doves and heaven being torn open, anoints Jesus as the Son to do the work for which the Father, God the Father, sent him. All that you are, the son whom I love, the beloved. We have this phrase in our own day, a diamond geezer. It means you're a diamond. You're flawless. You're perfect. You're like a diamond set in a crown. With you I am well pleased. You are the son I love. And when he goes on to say, with you I am well pleased, something else is being added. We're pleased with others when what they have done pleases us. There's something more than who you are in this phrase. This is something more about the man Jesus is becoming and has become. The man Jesus that himself takes responsibility. As I watch you doing what you're there to do, with you I am well pleased. All that you are is beloved, and all that you've done is well-pleasing. It all delights me. Have you ever had that said to you? Have you ever had someone in truth declare that you are flawless and perfect, and that you are totally delighted in? Well, in my pastoral experience, very few of us have had it. I haven't. Of course, I'm not the son of God, and neither are you. But what if one day, someday, it could be said over you? How much would that be worth to you? Gold, rubies, pearls, diamonds? Nearly every man I know longs to hear it, even just humanly from his own father, and tends never to hear it. We feel the gap. Of course we do. If someone were to stand over you and say, 
Just everything about you is perfect. How could you not feel the gap? No one could say it over us with integrity. They couldn't possibly. And yet it is precisely what God does say to each person who becomes his own child, his son or daughter. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the first of many children. The good news of Scripture comes in two parts. First, there is this verdict as a matter of fact of God on his children. This is the deepest, the most fundamental verdict. God is not wagging his finger in our faces, forever telling us off. He shouts aloud unto the, to the crowds and to the heavens, this is David, this is Anne, this is Jess, in whom I delight. The second part of the good news is that Jesus is actually unique in his mission. Yes, the first of many children, but unique. He is sent by God to become the reason why God can say that verdict over us. Sent by God to reconcile us back to God. His cross pays for that gap that we feel. When, when I, standing here, can set before you, you as you are, you as you, you know yourself to be, and then God, as God will see you, you know that gap. And the cross of Jesus pays for that gap. It's called sin. It's the self-centeredness. That means you know what you're not supposed to be and you know that you've not done what would please God perfectly. It's the flaw in your diamond. And that's why this book is the most precious thing this world affords. Because it carries the story of how God made a people, watched them rebel, and himself undertook the mission of rescue in Jesus to draw them back. Come the autumn, we will run again our course in exploring Christian faith. And one of the taglines in that course is this, that you're more sinful than you ever realized, more loved than you ever dreamed. More sinful, because the flaw in that diamond is there by our choice, yours and mine. We can't finally blame anyone else. And scripture how tells uh, how revealing that flaw and removing it comes at the cost of Jesus' own agony and death. So more sinful than you've ever realized, but more loved than you've ever dreamed, because it is that way, so that God can smile upon you as his own. And scripture tells of his delight to come and dwell with you and in you by his spirit. Just consider what we, we get from God as his son or his daughter. And those words that most of us long to hear, that he does speak over us. But there is a challenge. I would love to know that one person here today, perhaps because you've come for Jubilee, I don't know, but just one person heard today that God 
in his love, has come and done, its work, done his work and has raised you to the position that's described here, compared with which the throne of an earthly monarch, all the jewels and the pearls and the rubies, it's just baubles. I would love to know that. But it is not the end of the story. Because the story is not offered entirely as a comfort. The story is set in a baptism, an event which, whatever else it means, means a decision to go forward in a certain way. And nor is it a peaceful story. All this lovey-dovey stuff about delight and sonship and well-pleased, yes, they're there. But the heavens are torn open. It's a violent word as the Spirit comes down. And no, we've no idea what that really means, what it looked like, but it's violent language. And the same Spirit immediately, and the word is strong in Mark's Gospel here, at once, upon the instant, right there and then, the Spirit sends Jesus into the desert, verse 12, to face temptation. As though this flawless diamond, perhaps one day meant for a crown, begins initially as an industrial diamond set to work upon the mission he is here for, to face every temptation that we have faced and to overcome it, and he alone to win. That mission is unique to him, but it's not less true that while we are in the world as the children of God, we, the child of God, is also sent, not vicars only, but everyone who is a son or daughter of God. Perhaps we need to the tagline, need to add to it, more sinful than you ever realized, more loved than you ever dreamed, more sent than you felt you were quite ready for. The child of God, knowing God's delight, glad that God in Christ has dealt with sin, knows the way the story rolls along. And him or herself becomes the way the story rolls along. We are only here because other children of God told the story to us. And telling the story in our world, this Western world, is not easy these days. It won't always feel like the desert with satanic temptation. But it will sometimes. And still we are sent. But there is no thrill in life like being there when someone gets it, when the penny drops that they too are loved and sinful and sent. Perhaps you're here as someone who thought it would be good to come to church on a day of Jubilee. You're very welcome. And you've heard a sketch of what the good news is, the good news of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Email me, email us, and let us send you details of the Christianity Explored course that will come up. Come at the the end of the service and ask uh, Richard and Mark to pray with you. I'm sorry that it may have been different from what you expected, but I too am sent. And there is no greater thrill for me than to let others know the good news what it means to get it, to have the penny drop, to know the love of God overwhelmingly, almost absurdly greater than anything we could ever have dreamed. 
and despite everything that we know ourselves to be in that gap. Take home with you a copy, not not just of this text, but of the whole of Mark's Gospel. I have a few and I can give you one. And I'll be at the door at the back, making sure that I'm not in here doing anything to do with tables. (laughs) But perhaps you're here as someone who is a child of God, but has never realized the force the violence, the urgent pushing out of that phrase, at once the Spirit sent him. You've never realized that it's about you. Well, pray today with the person you came with. If there is a God who says to you, with the world listening, this is my son, my daughter whom I love, with you I am well pleased, then there is no part of the world, whether it's an exotic desert or the everyday desk that you will go back to on Wednesday, where that word does not run. And of course, there's no part of the world, the desert or the desk, that we wouldn't want to be sent to in order to fulfill God's mission. This God who has said these things to us, God's mission of drawing the world to himself. You might go to a desert, you might go to a desk, you might even go, in the goodness of God, to the doorstep of an old lady. We don't do that doorstepping as much as we used to, and perhaps we should do more. And you might get to speak good news to a neighbour, closing the gate behind you as you leave. Even if there are wild animals and devils in the way, as there were for Jesus, it is the God who delights in you, who is sending you. And who would not want to be sent by such a God? Can we pray together? Lord, we thank you for all that you have done in making us, in redeeming us, and speaking over us words of love that we can scarcely imagine to be true. Give us by your Spirit the gift of humility to believe them, set pride aside, to turn from selfishness and to receive what you give in grace, that we may know ourselves not only to be loved, but also to be sent and commissioned, so that others may know what began in Jesus and we have come to know in our turn. May we come to you, our Father, because of the gift of your Son, and know the power of your Spirit, today and always. Amen.